0: Uh, holy shit we got Jurassic Park on oh yeah wait (laughs) (laughs) that's fucking funny holy shit that is funny
1: well we we know Eric really really was right
2: like clearly
1: (laughs) yes shout out to Eric
0: What up, it's your boy Marcus Robinson, aka The Mark Rob, aka Sean Matt Love, aka Gordon Darks, aka Thanos, the Titan of Typos. On this latest episode, me and Cat Chinetti, aka your favorite cosplayers, favorite cosplayer, chop it up on Parasite if it lives up to the hype and the problematic world that we currently occupy. Also, we examine Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman, the careers of Matthew McConaughey and Colin Farrell. And lastly, for the Beacon Rewind segment, we examine the sex pot that is Tim Burton's Batman Returns. Buckle up. Enjoy. Did you finish Bear
1: Yeah, I did. Um, so I started watching it on Saturday, and I got interrupted. Uh... And so I had to, like, bench it. Uh, But I finished it probably two hours ago. Okay. Uh, And I'm about halfway through a 30-page article about the, uh, like, the economics of Korea and the kind of looking at it from the perspective of, like, a colonizer. Oh, shit. Yeah, I, I felt that I lacked some context. And it didn't obviously make or break the movie for me, but, like, I want to be an informed consumer.
2: Yeah.
1: And so being able to explain to people, like, why certain things maybe make a little bit more, I don't want to say make more sense, but, like, are probably more congruous to people who are more familiar.
0: Yeah.
1: Seemed like a good, a good set of context to have. Also, I'm an English major, so, like, that's what I do. I mean, do
0: you, uh, do you want to shoot me the link to that? I I'm interested in that. Um, yeah. Is this something that was recently published? Uh
1: yeah, it was published eight hours ago. Oh shit, well, that's that's pretty fucking recent. Seems it. Uh, hang on, let me drop that in the chat real quick. But yeah, uh, it's excellent. Uh, there we go. Uh, so I'm trying to come at it from that perspective as well, uh, at least a little bit. Reading
0: colonialism and Parasite. Shit, it's pretty thorough, so...
1: Yeah, it has like 20 sources, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I scrolled down to the
1: very bottom, and yeah, it's yeah, it's about that, so... Yeah, not a quick read, but a good one. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean,
1: I'm down for that. So. I'm down for that. Uh, so yeah, uh, I thought it was. <sighs> All right. So like, I'll be honest. Be I honest. think. I think for me, it was a teeny bit overhyped. Oh no! And Why did you say that? I don't. I I gave it four and a half on Letterboxd. I think it is an excellent piece of cinema. But everyone said like, oh this is, like, the best movie ever. Like, of course it's going to win all the Oscars. Like, don't count it out just because it's whatever. Like, listen, I watch a lot of, like, especially animation with subtitles. Like, that part doesn't bother me. The fact that it's foreign was not a deal-breaker to me. Yeah. Or even really a factor. Uh, So the fact that people were, were, to me, saying, like, oh, well, don't count it out because it's foreign was kind of, like... <laughs> I, I wasn't gonna anyway but like since you're adding that level of like no it's like the best thing that happened in cinema maybe this decade like that's a big it's a big thing to carry and I don't think it was that well I think what it was about, excellent
0: what about in the context of 2019 would you say it winning? Well, two questions. Would you say if winning Best Picture was appropriate, and would you say it was the best of 2019? Because those are two different kind of
1: questions. Yeah. So uh, I did not see 1917. Uh, I saw, like, a, a decent chunk of it. I saw about 30 minutes of it, but I didn't see the whole thing. Uh, and, like, so that with that in mind, just for the Oscar category, uh, I think it was probably my favorite. Okay. Um. But, like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was really good. I also think it's less universally appealing. Like, obviously, you have to deal with the fact that, like, people are fundamentally lazy. Subtitles are not necessarily a thing they want to engage with. I get that. But, like, I think uh, Tarantino's ultraviolence is probably a higher barrier for entry than subtitles. At least in my experience, it doesn't bother me. But like, I posted that I watched *Parasite* today, and a bunch of my friends were like, "Oh my god! Like, I want to go see that." And those are the same people who, when I posted *Once Upon a Time in Hollywood*, were like, <laughs> "Like, <laughs> so whatever." Um, so I, I would say, know, I, I think, oh, uh, I
0: think the people that really like *Once Upon a Time in Hollywood* like really fuck with it, but I think people. I think there was a small portion of people who dismissed it because of, like, the Margot Robbie thing. But then also, which I think was kind of a a reach, but I do think it was a bit disconcerting for someone who I love, Brad Pitt, his whole career, Mm -hmm. to see him beat the shit out of women. Like, that was, like, really jarring. Yeah. So I think that aspect of it was kind of, I mean, it it was pretty grotesque. So I can see how that would off the people.
1: yeah. But and also I, still, I know I know a lot of women don't like Tarantino cuz he's kind of a perv
0: fleece yeah
1: <laughs> um and like I I get that like but you know I I think that has a has a higher barrier for entry generally uh the other thing that I think it's kind of important to contextualize is that every once in a while, it seems like the Oscars like to pick movies that are like mocking, not necessarily them, but like something that is happening. So like wealth inequality is a huge issue in the, in the country, in the world, obviously. Um, and Parasite really focuses on that. Like everyone in the Academy makes more a year than I probably ever will. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think that they like to prove that they're like woke a lot. And yeah. I think that that can be, I think that's probably a lot of the reason why it, Parasite did as well as it did in the Academy. And I'm not saying that's correct, but if it's a film that was equal parts an excellent film and also addressed a hot-button topic in a way that was understandable and not too threatening, the well, Academy's going to eat that.
0: Well, do you think Parasite—if Parasite was an American movie, similar to, like, you know how—you've you seen V for Vendetta, right? Mm-hmm. So, basically, you for Vendetta, like, that was— Was that originally supposed to be, like, set in America? But then the movie, when they made it, they put it in, like, Britain, right? Yeah. So do you think that if Parasite were set in, like, Omaha, Nebraska, do you think that it would have been overlooked?
1: I don't know, because I think that there's a a really interesting point that's been made in a lot of the criticism that I've read of Parasite. And when I say criticism, I mean, like, in the way literary criticism is faithful listeners i don't mean just like i was looking for people to shit on it like the nostalgia critic like nah (laughs) but um a lot of the things that were kind of touched on was like this is not like there's so little actual korean culture that this could take place in london or you know la and that's kind of i think the point um but I also feel that, like, this is a narrative that Bong Joon-ho has been talking about forever. Like, Snowpiercer has really strong undertones of economic inequality. Like, this is, this is clearly his topic. And he, he is, I think, finding different ways in different genres to address it. And I think that this is kind of the culmination of all that work. Yeah. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah.
1: So, like, it feels like an elevation of something that he cares about a lot. Uh, And I I really like Snowpiercer, by the way. I think it's excellent. But comparing these two movies is, like, night and day. Like, Parasite, to me, is so much better constructed as a film that, like, I don't have to be, like, I love it in spite of all these things. The only issue that I had is I really feel, like... Probably like ten minutes or so could have been taken out of parasite. Not any specific ten minutes, but like there were a couple sequences where like I was like, this is just running a little, a little long.
0: Did you like the um the fantasy aspect that happened at the very end?
1: Yes. Um, I also liked that it was very ambiguous as to if it was fantasy or if it was an yeah. actual premonition yeah uh and i also like that it kind of added i don't want to say like some romanticism but kind of that that romanticism to a story that had been very you know for lack of a better term real uh and very bleak as a look at people cuz nobody comes out of that yeah. movie looking good except maybe the the sun like day song. Oh no,
0: no, nah, he was he was fucking the uh, fourteen yeah. year old. Nah, we can't give no.
1: him that. No, 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 no. The the rich son.
0: Oh, the little shit. Yeah. He's yeah. Kind
1: of, he was a little bit of a shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's also what eight, and like clearly has some repressed trauma issues going on, and like probably a couple learning disabilities too, judging by just how he was portrayed.
2: Yeah.
1: So, like, I, I think for an eight-year-old growing up in that household, he's he's doing a great job. <laughs> I'll give you that. It's true. It's true. Uh, You know, and, like, yeah, all right, we can make some, some we can have some chats about the, the use of kind of the Indian Native American culture.
2: Yeah. But,
1: like, I think most eight-year-old kids have had an interest in something, whether it's cowboys and aliens or space or whatever right like there's so many different fixations and like romanticization of the american west is a thing that does exist in in kind of the capitalist hellscape that america has foisted on asia
0: (laughs) capitalistic hellscape i like
2: that yes Uh, yeah yes
1: well, I described, someone said to me like, oh, I thought Parasite was going to be a horror movie. And I was like, it kind of is in a deep existential capitalist hellscape manner is the way that I said it.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that.
1: Like, um, it's there- not Ring, but like, it's here to tell you the economy is gonna fuck your shit up. <laughs> you know, and that even even though they were making wages and stuff, they can't afford to leave that apartment.
0: Yeah, there was like a level of anxiety that you could feel, even if you just watched you know scenario horror movies. I felt anxiety whenever like the rain was coming, and I yeah. I knew I was like, bro, their whole shit's gonna get like completely flooded
2: out. And I felt mm-hmm.
0: in this family, a bunch of a family, a bunch of schemers and scammers. I felt so bad because I knew where the fuck I was gonna head to.
1: Yeah, I also... I really appreciated that the movie, I feel, was very even-handed in the distributing of who was a bad person. Yeah, yeah. Like, I know that's kind of a weird way to phrase it, but, like, it wasn't like, oh, rich people bad, you know... Poor people good, yeah. Or poor people bad, rich people good. Like, it was very... The way that each kind of little piece was laid out made every character feel real and complex and just well-orchestrated.
0: Yeah, a movie, like, if you think about um, Do the Right Thing, Mm -hmm. where Spike Lee, you know, even though he's a Black film director, he doesn't necessarily pick a side of who's right and who's wrong in that movie. Right. Like, Like, the Black folks feel, you know very upset have like all this animosity to, uh, towards Sal and the police
2: mm-hmm. but
0: destroying Sal's pizza shop isn't necessarily a positive thing to do or even the right thing to do um, I mean the movie is called do the right thing yet no one does the right thing at all right so yeah so that I think it does take a very good uh, good bit of talent to really balance that, that equation out because I mean yeah like Parasite like yeah like, you don't I, I I felt for the family, I love Kim, the father, but, I mean, they were still scamming these rich people for money that, I mean, right. you can, yeah, you make the argument, the rich people, you know, they're rich, so they don't really deserve all this, you know, wealth, but at the same time, like, is it really right to scam people out of things that they quote unquote earn?
1: Right, and also, like, we didn't get enough of... Like and I'm not trying to be like, oh poor rich people, but like we didn't get enough of an insight into who they were or how they got there. Yeah. To to make the assumption that they didn't earn it, you know. Yeah. And like I know that's a huge part of the problem, right? Is that like, oh, we're kind of always, you know, why are the main characters in stories always royalty, you know, or whatever? It's because that's what we're we want to aspire to. But at the same time, like, they're so distant. I was wait, like, I genuinely thought that uh, the husband, Mr. Park, was going to cheat on the wife. Like, oh. They, they, like, lead up to, like, but you love her, right? Like, a bunch of times. And I was like, if this is the way that he is a bad person, this whole movie is cheapened to me.
2: Because...
1: <laughs> Well, seriously, like, listen, rich men do other bad things besides cheat on their wives. Yes. Don't depend on that cliche. This isn't an episode of Castle. This is a two-hour and 12-minute movie. You know, so the fact that that was a road they chose not to go down, I thought was a very sound choice. Yeah. Um, I also find that, like... The mother uh, of the Kim family, I really, like, I don't want to say related to, but, like, I felt like she was very real as well. And uh, the way that she was like, well, it would have been better if you brought food instead of a fucking rock. Like, (laughs) was like, (laughs) yeah, I think we've all been, you know, in situations or have known people who have been in situations where it's like, Thanks for the gesture, I guess, but like, it doesn't <laughs> help, yeah. you know? And, uh, as I'll be honest though, as soon as that rock was introduced, I was like, oh, whose skull is that gonna be hitting? <laughs> like,
0: yeah. I was
1: like, oh, it's perfectly positioned for one hand here, one hand here, and wonk. Like, <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Um, I also think that, this is probably my favorite executed twist in a well, long time.
0: Yeah, it, it was, it was, it was really good. It was really good. Yes, and that's why I had to, every person I told to watch it not read anything about it, so they can really get hit with like the, you know, the twist that comes at the end of the
1: movie. So yeah, I mean, the only thing I knew going into it was that obviously it had won all the Oscars and that it was. A story about wealth disparity in Korea. That's yeah. it. That's all I had. Uh, which, like, weirdly, Gangnam style, also a song about wealth, uh, like, disparity in Korea. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's about this guy, it, like, it's basically Sai making an observation that people are trying to pretend they live in Gangnam, this very trendy area and are bankrupting themselves to look like they fit there, even though they go home to, you know, shithole apartments and no money and no, you know, whatever.
0: Gee, I have no clue that song was deep. I'm sorry to the Koreans. So. <laughs> you
1: gotta check out the music video, though, with that knowledge of it okay. parodying opulence. Okay. It's so much funnier when you know that like, when he's screaming at that woman doing yoga, like, he—that that is an actual scream of <laughs> frustration and rage, not just, like, the booty too poppin'. Like... I got you. So, like, it's clearly a big fucking issue.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so Which I think... it should be, yeah. And I also think showing all the kind of unintended consequences of everything was really strong. So, like, the unintended consequences of uh, the Kims getting the initial housekeeper fired was that her husband, who's literally in hiding from loan sharks, is starving to death. And they didn't even consider that there would be consequences beyond she would have to find a new job. I mean, yeah,
0: uh, people who pull scams, they don't really think about the long con, so,
1: yeah. Right, and I liked that it showed that. Uh, I also, like, I'll be honest, I did not, I expected there to be a body count, but, like, I didn't expect it to be so explicit about it. Uh, Well, what do you mean? Like, I, I wasn't expecting it to be... Like, I said I expected uh, The Rock to hit somebody in the skull. But, like, I thought that was going to be it. Like, I thought it was going to be, like, one moment of, like, desperation. Oh, yeah, like... Yeah. I, yeah. So, the like...
0: Ending the party, like, that shit was... Yeah, like, the party shit, like, that was completely, like, unforeseen. So, yeah, I didn't see that coming at all.
1: Yeah, and I also felt that, like... When, uh, I'm trying to think of, like, how to describe this best. Um, the fact that they were so, like, I had a feeling that the housekeeper was going to die to, like, help keep the secret, right? Yeah. And I honestly thought that might have been the end of it. Yeah. I was like, okay. Cool. Like, sucks that I knew that was going to happen, but, like, okay. Especially because the description on Letterboxd, which, like, I looked up partway through, which was kind of a mistake, but whatever, I did it anyway. I didn't do it on purpose, I just, like, went to go see what the ratings were, and it was, like, Uh, all unemployed Kitek's family takes particular interest in the wealthy and glamorous parks for their livelihood until they get entangled in an unexpected incident.
0: Uh, so the last part, gave, the last sentence gave it away basically?
1: Well, so I was like, okay, they're going to, like, the housekeeper's going to die. And then it's the, the rest of it's going to be a movie about covering that up.
0: Holy shit. Speaking of Letterboxd, 150,000 people gave me five stars.
2: That's a fucking Yeah.
0: Lot. <laughs>
1: I gave it four and a half. Like I said, I really feel like it could have just used, like, ten minutes total. Like, not any one scene. Just ten minutes total taken off. Like, I didn't really need to see uh, the the son of the Kims kissing that 14-year-old, like, five times. Ooh, yeah, that was tough, boy. Woo that um, was Or, like, even when she took her underwear off in the car, I was like, you can just show it and then show her tucking it under the... Like, I don't need to see it going all the way down. I know how underwear goes on. (laughs) You sure? (laughs) I mean, I got... Somehow I got it on this morning without help. So, like... I feel you.
0: I feel you. Well, no, I I think... Give, not being someone that gives it five stars like I don't have any problem with that I actually I follow a couple people who gave it four stars
2: mm-hmm. um
0: I gave it five stars and I said it was my best of 2018 but right but um but no I think I think it's gonna age pretty well I think it's gonna hold up fairly well over time
1: uh, I agree I also think it's a, a moment in time film that is representative of the time without making it feel stuck, if that makes sense. You um, know, it's not, yeah. yeah. But while also acknowledging, like, this is a 2019 movie. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think of, like, what a, another movie that kind of does that is, and I'm kind of struggling to find one. But, like, when the Criterion Collection was like, we're releasing it, I was like, yeah, of course. Like this belongs in in a Criterion collection type situation. Like I I see that. Um, because I also think like this is gonna be a movie that someday you know. The the next generation is gonna come to their parents and be like, like would you did, did you see Parasite like when it came out? <laughs> like was that really what it was like back then? Like wait, you know and it's. <laughs> I like that idea a lot, and I think that's going to be a really interesting way for it to to exist in a space.
0: Yeah, you brought up 1917 earlier. I saw 1917. Um, are you? Well, do you have plans to see it soon? Because I don't want to spoil it for you.
1: It's, nah, I kind of know what happens. So uh, it's it's not a movie.
0: I've I've only seen it once, and I think when I saw it and I left the movie theater and when it was winning like best film at these other award shows, yep. I, I got the sense that I knew why I would, why it was winning, even though it wasn't
1: that parasite. It's a dad movie. It's yeah. a white dad movie.
0: Yeah. And so I think visually it is stunning, but at the same time, I don't think you're going to get rewarded for multiple viewings. So like even a movie like, um, uh, Spielberg's uh, what was the Tom Hanks war movie Um Fire Ryan. Ryan I, th- I think that's a-, that's a war movie that you put on TNT you can watch at any time you'll be in gross basically if you fuck with war movies yeah. but 1917 isn't really that necessarily like 1917 is a movie where you're only really following two characters and then it becomes one character and then you're kind of just going on on this like Basically this RPG of, yeah. of a British involvement in World War One.
1: Someone, uh, Ty Burr, a film critic I really love uh, from the Boston Globe. Uh, I'm sure he's not listening to this, but I can hope. Hi, if you are. Uh, we follow each other on Twitter, and so, you know, clearly we're BFFs. Uh, but he, <laughs> he described it as, like, watching people, like, float over a Mario map.
0: RPG, yes, it is like it's it's literally that like like if you play if you played any first person shooter from mm-hmm. 1996 until today like you you know what the aesthetic of 1917 is and so I think I think it's a worthwhile movie scene um, but I don't think it's gonna translate very well to like multiple viewings like I like I like the movie I legit don't know like. The next time I watch it, if it comes on Netflix, I may catch it like once, but
2: beyond that, I'm not gonna catch it again. What makes me want to get close to someone and
0: snuggle? Fear. Salutations, I'm Melisette, and on A Frightful Fret with Melisette, I read classic horror stories combining audiobooks and audio drama into a podcast. Come away with me into the darkness and let me make your ears tingle with a sensation of terror. A Frightful Fret with Melisette. Available everywhere podcasts are and
2: find us at our frightfulfret.net. Don't forget.
1: I was kind of watching it and like waiting for... It to grab me as much as Dunkirk did, and mm. I didn't even like Dunkirk that much. Oh, you <laughs> it, uh... I thought it was fine. Uh, Christopher Nolan and I have like a love hate relationship. <laughs> I have to really be in the mood for his directing style. Uh, hold on. So what? What would you
0: maybe you hate stronger of a word? But what are movies from Nolan you dislike or even
1: hate? Uh, so I don't, I don't think that it's fair to say that I dislike or hate any of them, but I find that they, like, if I'm not in the right mood, they chafe. Like, I have never, and, like, this is so, like, hey, fanboys, it's me, cat <laughs> You can find me on Instagram or on All Venmo. Too. Let's All fight too. in the DMs. Uh, like, but... I have never been in the mood for any of Nolan's Batman movies. Oh, no, no, And, like, that doesn't mean I think they're bad movies. I think they're really good movies. But I've never been like, ooh, you know what? Like, I could really go for Batman Begins right now. Oh,
0: no. Uh, well, I, I, I'm not a – I don't know if I qualify as a fanboy, but, like, I'm legit addicted to, to Bane whenever he's on um, The Last One. I, I know bang shit like verbatim so I mean listen just...
1: like Tom Hardy I would eat him with a spork I would eat him with a spork in that movie I would eat him in a spork, with a spork in that movie if he kept the thing on I don't care but like
2: <laughs> cats
1: <laughs> yeah right like whatever fine let it happen Uh, but like I I've seen that movie once I own it on Blu-ray I have no desire to watch it again none uh i literally made myself watch the dark Knight this summer because people were like this was the movie that made me want to be a filmmaker and so many people within like i'd say probably eight years of my my age have told me that but i was like all right let me let me re-examine this and i was like it was good
0: i wonder if that's more for his leisure though because I know people are really hitting this on Nolan, even though I I do consider myself a Nolan fan. Like, but I think I like
1: Inception.
0: Inception gave me weird dreams for like the first week after I saw it. Like, <laughs> like legit weird dreams. It
1: was. But incredible. I also I think that I came a little late to the Nolan party. Like I saw The Dark Knight for the first time like on Blu Ray in like a nice home theater setup, like five years after it came out.
2: Ooh. I mean,
0: but you was damn. You were super young when it you came out, though. Like, you because yeah. you were still in you are still in middle school when.
1: Yeah, I remember that. I read the Batman Begins junior novelization when I was ten. So. Where were you in two thousand what eight? Two thousand and eight. I would have been, like, twelve.
0: Oh shit! I was in college with girlfriends. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, I, like, that was definitely a midnight
2: movie.
0: Mm-hmm. I saw multiple times in the theater. But, yep. I mean, that's... But that was mostly more when I was just a fan of uh, Batman. Yep. But then, when he had that and also, not only Inception, but
1: Prestige. I love Prestige. I, I have not seen Prestige. Everyone has told me to see Prestige. I should probably do that. I think...
0: Uh, it's oh no, it's really good. I, I definitely recommend for Siege. Um, I think you. Well, so you liked Inception. Yep. You were iffy. You were iffy on the Batman series.
1: I really like them, but I like I said I've watched them and I was like that was good.
0: No need to revisit.
1: Yeah, which is weird because usually if it's a property I like, I'm interested in revisiting it. But okay, like, yeah, I but never, yeah. I never found Rachel interesting. I never found their Harvey <laughs> <Rachel>. Dent. <laughs> Where is she? Uh, I never found Harvey Dent interesting. I liked that version of the Joker fine, but like, he and Bane have the same thesis of what they're trying to do, and once you realize that, it's really hard to unrealize it. <laughs> I think.
0: They- I think really the only difference is probably when I was, like, in the theater watching Dark Knight uh, mm-hmm. Rises, like, I was literally spelled by Tom Hardy. And also, mm-hmm. like, how the fuck is he actually going to beat Bane eventually? And so whenever Dark Knight was out, like, we pretty much knew that, like, Joke was going to get defeated in some way. But,
1: mm-hmm. like,
0: during Bane shit, like, it was like, dog, like, is he and really also- going to actually beat him?
1: Don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of anything that's a vehicle for Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Like, <laughs> I am. I think he's a renaissance man. Uh, but, like, I definitely was just... Oh, you, you uh... You gonna do it for you in that? No, uh, he's fine. Uh, uh, they call me Robin.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. That part of it was kind of... It was kind of on the nose a bit, a tad bit. It was kind of on the nose. Good line delivery, bro. Like... Oh,
0: hold on. Speaking of uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, what are your thoughts on 500 Days of Summer? Who who was right? Who was wrong? Oh, God. Uh,
1: I think the the writer and director was wrong. Uh, (laughs) So... I, uh, that's a movie that I've seen like twice and both times I've just been like, why did I watch that again? (laughs) Even the first time I was like, why did I watch this again? And then I was like, wait, I've never seen this. Like it's that. but I think it's because I grew up in like a post 500 days of summer world. Yeah. So, so much of that format is every young adult novel, every young adult Romance movie, like
0: yeah, it's always been on Tumblr, like the gifts of expectation versus reality. That's
1: yeah, on Tumblr, and like it's fine. I guess I'm happy it exists. It's not quite as creepy as uh, Fifty First Dates, <laughs> no. like which is just um. Jeez. Yeah, that's I good. also like the idea like I like the the kind of revisiting aspect uh, but at Manic Pixie Dream girls the main character super like the main female super hard uh, in a way that I also as someone who has spent most of her young adult life being manic Pixie Dream girled by boys <laughs> who don't want to deal with their own problems See, now
0: knowing that though I think, I think that's the point of the movie that people eventually had to come to where, because I I, I think people's first assumption in the movie is that she's wrong, he's right, you should feel bad for him. But if you revisit that movie, Mm -hmm. it's actually, like, he's not really addressing reality. Like, he's not picking up on the signs that she doesn't really want a relationship and she's kind of quasi-pressured into getting in Mm a relationship. Now, I mean... There was a point where she could have like dead it, left, and then that would have been the end of it. But, you know, at the same time, like she came back because I do think she felt pressured to be with this guy because he wanted it so bad.
1: She also seemed to kind she of feel responsible really- for him.
0: Yeah. And so I think I think that movie's important to to pick up on, like, bro, this whole like quote-unquote nice guy finishing last shit is like no people who don't ask for what they want finish last people who are honest with people finish last like you don't have to be like a quote-unquote um asshole or jerk like like people joke Mm -hmm. about them you just need to be honest about what your feelings are and so
1: but i also feel that like people like this is gonna sound really dumb but like if you have to think about it that much to get to that Like, I feel like your average moviegoer isn't. Um, Especially in something that's so heavily marketed as a rom-com. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like, it's the same issue that I have with, what is it? uh, The one with Clementine. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Where, like, she is very clearly painted as the bad person for advocating for her. Like desire to take care of herself first
2: yeah
1: and like that that gets old i literally have a t-shirt that my brother matthew shout out matthew uh got me for christmas or my birthday i think it was my birthday when i turned 18 or 19 it says not your manic pixie dream girl (laughs) (laughs) because like i needed that i needed that shirt because people were like but like you're nice and free-spirited and play ukulele and will dance in public and clearly that means that you are like here to fix all my problems and like paint a picture (laughs) of a bird on my wall even though i hate birds but like you you're into birds i'm like i was like
0: even though i've only met you 30 minutes ago you were meant to save my life now
1: or like you have always been my best friend and i have just now realized that you are also attractive Oh, no! oh my god! Like, <laughs> mino trash, minnow trash. <laughs> oh, dude! Like, I tend to be fairly private about my dating life. Uh, I'm not great at it on the pod, especially on Isla Pau, especially when uh, in true Fanny fashion is on because I've got so many fucking stories. But like, oh man! Like, and the sad part is, I totally fell for that shit when I was like 16 because like the first i let's see my first boyfriend and i were together for like two months i know gross i had my first kiss when i was 16 i know gross uh and like he never told me i was pretty oh and like he he in my mind was like the significantly more attractive one So, like, for a while, and, like, this is still something that I struggle with, although, like, less and less so every day, like, when people are nice to me, my immediate response is, like, oh, I am loyal to you now. And, like, noticing my other girlfriends do it was, like, a moment where I was, like, oh, okay, like, no, no, no. (laughs) But, like... It's, it's a thing that exists, and I think it's a thing that exists on, like, r slash nice guys on Reddit, for instance, where it's, like, I, I made an effort for the barest human decency, where is my sex I was promised. <laughs> like, Ugh. you know, and Sylvia Plath, I think, says it best, which is, uh, women are not uh, machines you put tokens of kindness into until sex falls out. Uh, And, like, let's let's not forget, though, that Sylvia Plath got so fed up with everyone's bullshit that she baked her own head in an oven. Like, you know, and I'm not trying to make light of it, but, like, also at the same time, like, when you realize that at a young age, how do you not want to do that? Like. She says, opening her second alcoholic beverage. um, (laughs) Yeah.
0: But I don't know I mean it's like well take me for example so when I was in the ninth grade I mm-hmm. had this, I had this huge crush on this girl in my in my English class
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I don't knew I don't know if she knew it or not but I was I was not upfront about my feelings on it at all I wasn't I didn't necessarily lie about my feelings but you know, I wanted to date this girl, but I never approached her to date. So the entire freshman year, I was like, I was like just friends with her, whatever, whatever, well, quote unquote friends, whatever, whatever. And it didn't hit me until like like the last day of school that like I saw her like talking to other dudes, like having like all these other different friends outside of our class, and it hit me. I was like, bro, like you had this assumption of what this girl was. And that's completely shattered now. Mm-hmm. So what did you do wrong? And I think I'm unique in that sense because a lot of men don't and a lot of boys, they don't have those feelings until like people are shouting it into their, their faces. They're like, Bro, like what you want from a woman, be honest about it. And if she doesn't want to give it back or reciprocate it, you need to go the fuck on. So a lot of a lot of men have problems. And that's and that's why I think that for Five Hundred Days of Summer, a lot of people misread it because a lot of men were putting themselves in that box of like, Well, I had this woman that I fantasized about and I lost her and it was her fault. No, bro. Like you didn't read the signs. She was clearly telling you she didn't want to be with your ass and you still kept pursuing it and you got your dumb ass heartbroken because you weren't being your ass was blind to the truth. So mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I think, I think you I think you are kind of right in the sense that, like, the movie, if, it ha- if that type of movie has some more multiple viewings, then it, it probably didn't achieve what it should have achieved in, like, one viewing.
1: Yeah. And that's not a, a, like, dig at it necessarily either. Like, I do think it is a good movie that did good things. But also... I don't think that's a viewing that you can get unless you either have the the knowledge of that as a thing or experience with that as a thing. It's really hard to, like, extrapolate all of that without that knowledge, if that makes sense. Like. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, when I watched it the first time, I think I was, like, 12 or 13, and I hadn't really experienced that, like, seriously yet. Yeah. And then when I rewatched it as like an 18-year-old or 19-year-old, I was like, oh for fuck's sake. Oh, <laughs> fuck off. Like. You know, so, and I think I think like a movie like her maybe does a little bit of a better job deconstructing that in a way that seems so absurd that you kind of have to notice it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree.
1: Um I can't watch that movie though, because like the way that Joaquin Phoenix is styled in that movie, he kind of looks like my dad.
2: Oh!
1: <laughs> I never have to worry about that. <laughs> uh, which, uh, I saw that movie for the first time in a science fiction class my senior year of have- high school. Yeah. Damn! Uh, and my advisor was the teacher for this class, and I Leaned over to him and I said, "Can I go to the bathroom and maybe stay in the bathroom?" And he was like, "Why?" And I was like, "Look at Joaquin Phoenix. Now think about Peter." And he was like, "Yeah, go, go, stay. Like goodbye. Like I opted, I opted to stay and finish it because I was invested. But I was like."
0: The whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, the shitty part of Hollywood is, people look like my mom are in movies. But, you know, that's neither here nor there, apparently. But now, that's wild, like.
1: I mean, hey, next time they make another movie about slave narratives, because apparently that's the only thing that Hollywood has for people of color. I know.
0: My My mom reformed center. I'll be triggered, so, yeah. I mean,
1: I'm over here, like, all right, I'm excited about Antebellum, because I feel like at least it's going to do something different with the set of tropes that we have. Yeah, but like,
0: I'm, I'm, like, really if it, confused by that trailer in a good-ass way. I have so, no clue what the fuck we're gonna do with this movie. Yet.
1: My best friend, yes. Anders, who was, like, is an amazing screenwriter, uh, thinks that it is going to be a time travel movie. So people are sending people of color back in time to be slaves and their brains can't handle it. So it clips back and forth between their lives.
0: The people listening to this cannot see my face,
1: but
0: shit, that would be pretty Uh. fucking funny.
1: I don't know if that's what it's gonna be, but... I mean, it
0: it kind of looks like that. I think you're... I think his kind of guess, from what I remember from the trailer, I mean, it makes sense, like, why... Like, no one from that period is gonna see an airplane. Right. So, The
1: other thing that I was thinking is that it might be a reverse reincarnation situation. Describe. Describe. So, uh... Let's assume that time is fake Um, so that it's kind of in a similar vein where instead of it being like, oh, you know, this person was brought back in time. It's like, oh, kind of like Dr. Manhattan, where he experiences all the realities at the same time. Yeah. Kind of like that, except instead of for him, it's kind of different images that are developed, stacked on top of each other. It would be like transparencies stacked on top of each other. So it's all kind of getting projected together.
0: You know what I hope this movie is? It's for these dumbass people that say, "Not my ancestors." <laughs> and yeah. They get transported back in time.
1: <laughs> I mean, I also hope it's for the people that are super excited about plantation weddings. Hmm. Boy, that is
0: fucking weird as hell, man.
1: I. Weird. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a fan.
0: Um, I'm probably you're not a fan.
1: I mean, I I feel like at this point it would be like I want to go get married at the Get Out House. Like <laughs> that's like no, not like if if that if you have to explain it like that for someone to understand why it's a bad idea, like come on now.
0: Yeah, if if the word plantation is anywhere near you know the invitation, just don't don't send it to. Me.
1: Yeah, and I mean like, I I mean that in terms of like, don't have it at a a banana plantation either. Banana republics are bad, don't do it. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and like, listen, I really like both Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds, but that wedding was was a choice.
0: I I was so disappointed in Ryan, like.
1: I mean, my only hope is that like, he genuinely doesn't understand because he's Canadian.
0: I mean, that, like, runaway slaves went to Canada, so he
1: should... But also, like, his wife is American. Like, I get it, there are some really beautiful, there are some really beautiful, like, antebellum houses and shit, but, like, there are also a lot of really beautiful places that you can go that have nice-ass houses that, like, maybe weren't an active site of suffering for generations upon generations of people that look different than you. Maybe. I'm saying. It's possible. Um you know at least pick a state that <laughs> w- abolished early like you know before it was the law
0: <laughs> go to vermont vermont was the first state to abolish slavery so right so go to vermont hang out with bernie sanders get some ben and jerrys and you'll be yeah, okay yeah
1: get stoned drink maple syrup directly from a tree like <laughs> it'll be fucking great <laughs> uh, Go skiing while you're there. Like, fuck (laughs) it up, fam. Like, do it up. But.
0: I love that we went from parasite to plantation weddings. I
1: mean, I I do have to say, though, that I feel like if Bong Joon Ho were American, this is probably an issue that he would be looking at in a parasite lens. Because using a big wedding at a plantation as a sign of capitalist affluence when it was built on the backs of people like the Kim family who are barely making ends meet or in this case who weren't making ends meet at all were literally enslaved and had their livelihoods and ability to like do anything dictated by white folk like if if Bong Joon-ho were an American I feel like this would probably be his take on this issue or at least a related take.
0: Yeah, like I can see, um, not necessarily like Spike Lee esque, but in the in the vein of what Spike tries to do with like if you think of, um, you know, uh, do the right thing. Yep. Uh, even in, like a movie like Clockers, where it's basically Clockers is this movie where this young black teenager in New York, nineties New York. He's basically hustling to survive and sort of examining the pitfalls of why he has social in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, Clark is actually really, really good. Like, if you, if you, for the listeners and anyone, if you want to know what sort of like life was like for a troubled black youth in the 90s trying to escape the ghetto and escape, like, you know, drugs and the police, Clark is a really good movie. I think it's actually probably one of Spike's most underrated movies, so definitely check that out.
1: Do the Right Thing was another movie I had the, the joy of seeing in high school, actually. Damn.
0: Was your high school, like, a good high school to go to? Y'all watching all the flicks.
1: I mean, I went to a private high school that had, like, a huge amount. Like, they gave out a ton of financial aid. So it was pretty diverse. Um, and a lot of our teachers were, like, I don't want to say woke because that has such a connotation at this point, but like they were empathetic and understanding to struggles that were different than their own and believed that educating about part of that was part of education. Yeah. So they were good teachers. So so you had good teachers. (laughs) So, you know, I think that made, made a huge difference. So the fact that my like Jewish, English teacher who's a slam poet was like, you know what? Uh, we're watching an episode of Do the Right Thing today. Like, we're watching Do the Right Thing. Or at one point, we watched an episode of Louis, which, yeah, okay, great, Louis C.K. Woo, let's rehash all that real quick.
2: Oof. Are you what? done yelling
1: at your podcast yet? <laughs> Woo, great. Doggy. Um, But, like, the episode that we watched was the one where he, like, tries to go on vacation and, like, fundamentally misunderstands, like, what Chinese New Year is and winds up spending the holiday with, like, a Chinese family while his own family is falling apart. Fuck, I don't remember that episode. I don't remember what it's called, uh, but it's, like, it was specifically about Chinese New Year and, like, it started as, like, a commentary on, like, tourism and ended as a commentary on family. Um, And, like, he was like, listen, like, this was before Louis C.K. was, like, Jerk notorious pervert Louis yeah. C.K., at least in the public eye. um, And, like, that was, like, we decided to do that because we had so many different forms of family that existed at our school. So he was like, here's, we're just going to commentate on that. Yeah. Oh, you I know.
0: used to be really, oh, man, I used to be really big on, on Louis Ugh, key word used to be, but god damn, I was... I've I've never been more disappointed in a white man. <laughs>
1: I'll be honest, I um, think I was a little more disappointed in John Lasseter. Uh, who's that? Of Pixar. Uh, director of Toy Story, Toy Story 2, A Bug's Life. Creative director for most of Pixar. What um, did he do? He's, uh... He really cultivated Pixar to be kind of a frat house environment and, uh, um, was, uh, difficult to work with if you were a female. Oh, fuck. Uh, That's, he was, he start? was a hugger, yeah. uh, but like disproportionately for female bodied people. Okay. Um, he was a grabber, he was an alcoholic and that was creating a lot of problems, with you know self-mediation and whatever so to find out that like the creator of like my favorite character or one of my favorite characters growing up who's like Jessie the cowgirl oh but like was not respectful of women or different differing forms of femininity because to me toy story is so wonderful because it's got several points on the femininity scale and none of them are more or less powerful than the others So, you know, you have Bo Peep and Barbie, who are both very feminine, but who are both very capable. You have Jesse, who's a little bit more, you know, one of the boys, but still is very capable and still is romantically desirable. Like, as a kid, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's good a lot. Yeah. So then to kind of discover, like, oh... You know, even Sally in Cars, like, I mean, she's a fucking car. But, like, she's a lawyer. Like, she used to be a race car, but she's a lawyer because she wanted to, like, go career. I'm like, that's not presented as, like, but, you know, she's a woman. It's just like, oh, yeah, no, this is the female car, and she wanted to go career. And so she went career. Yeah. Like, so the fact that his portrayal of all these kick-ass women... We're, we're not authentic to how he felt. Yeah. Is unfortunate.
0: Yeah, man. Someone, I forget who, and I even forget the quote, but someone basically, it's something that stuck out in my mind is like, never meet your heroes because they'll always disappoint. Yeah. And, yeah, like, I, I was like, I was even big on Louis. Even before the the FX show, he had, like, this one-season show that was on HBO. I think it was called Life of Louis or something like that. Yeah. It, it wasn't popular at all. Like, like, you can go to Big Lots and get the whole season one for $3 like, on DVD. Like, that's how unpopular it was.
1: But I mean, you definitely was... can now.
0: Oh, yeah. You yeah, can now. But, like, no, like, he was so... Like, he was so good, and he Mm -hmm. turned out to be such a fucking dickhead. Like, it was massively
1: disappointing. Yeah, uh, I just sent you uh, the uh, letter that Emma Thompson wrote when uh, John Lasseter was instated as head of Skydance, because I think that really adequately sums up what happened, uh, while also, like, addressing why giving him another chance is not really okay especially in a field like animation where like a lot of people have worked many places or know people who have worked directly with this person and like it's really unfortunate because for a while he was like basically positioned to well he was he saved the walt disney company like their animation studio multiple times he's an executive producer on frozen like he's on the story team for like everything Disney did from, like, the late 90s on, pretty much. Or, like, I'd say probably, like, 2004. Like, and so to find out that someone who also, you know, rescued your favorite set of, you know, kind of characters from bankruptcy is, you know, (sighs) would grope Rapunzel if given half the chance is... Very it's icky
0: yeah like I was fucking like a couple of years ago I think maybe last year or 2018 I think it was last year I just wanted to watch scream um, yep. I, I had the idea to watch scream and I legit, I legit forgot how good of a movie it is like even beyond just a horror movie like it's fundamentally a good movie to watch -hmm. And I was I was so happy the movie was over, credits were rolling, and then all of a sudden, the black and white executive produced Harvey Weinstein, and I was like, fuck, yeah! I was I was uh, it was a moment that I wish I I could take back, but
1: no, man. Like it's but I mean you also it so much of cinema for an amount of time was directly affected by him. Yeah. Like, what are we gonna do? Not touch any movie that... Like, he's made his money, he's been ousted from the company, like, he's not... You know, it's like that meme on Twitter, you know, uh, Harvey Weinstein isn't real, he can't hurt you, Harvey Weinstein is real and can hurt you. Like, that meme. Except, like, listen, he's going to jail. Like... Fuck it, man. Like, we can't take it back, and we can help in our own ways by supporting the people that he victimized and marginalized and sidelined. But also, like, you can't change the cinema landscape. And like, I'm saying this as like a, a multiple sexual assault survivor. Like, a huge, a huge part of the issue that I've been having this week is like. Uh, someone who has been a serial violator of consent has started being publicly ousted uh, on the internet and he violated my consent and I had to decide whether or not I wanted to weigh in on that, you Ooh. know, and that's a, it's a hard, hard thing to do. Um, you know, so yeah. I really, I really, really, really am not trying to diminish anybody's pain, but also when they have, had their their fingers in so many pies do you just burn the bakery down yeah. you know it's it's really challenging to kind of navigate yeah. um so yeah, that's,
0: and that's what we talked about last week like separating art from the artists like yeah it's it's and the funny thing is like i think i think it's such a hard complex question i legit don't think there's a right answer Mm-hmm. I think I think from individual perspectives there are right answers because I'm literally will never tell a person how they should feel about you know something as strong as that because I mean I I I never I never been a victim of sexual assault so I don't know what it's like to have like my you know assaulter in public doing things and accolades and all that shit mm-hmm. I I can't tell them how to feel about that so. Now, I'm really sorry you had to go through it. Well, go are going through it now. I'm really sorry to hear that. Uh,
1: so, you know, I there's no thank you. Uh, there's no right way to handle it. Yeah. You know, there's a, you know, uh, I don't know how into like YouTube shows and stuff you are, but John Tron, who's your internet mileage may vary because he's problematic in a lot of ways, but he uh, has a a thing where he reads out a bunch of Gwyneth Paltrow's tweets while talking about Goop, her lifestyle brand. Yeah. And one of them is, uh, sometimes Harvey Weinstein lets me use the Miramax jet if I'm opening a supermarket or something. And it's like... But, like, also, like, that's what, it, that was the culture. That's what happened. Like, you know, and if it was brought up at all, it was brought up in that, like, that missing step analogy where, you know, women become responsible for walking around it. And I don't think that's correct, but, like, so much of being a woman is just knowing that yeah. and dealing with that. And I'm not saying that's correct. And I'm not saying that's good. I'm just acknowledging that's what it is. So, like, again, fight me in the DMs, I guess. Um,
0: (laughs) Well, no. For this case, no. Don't fight my home, girl. Like, you know, deal your own shit on your own time. Don't call my home.
1: Hiya, Puddins. It's your girl, Holly Quinn, a.k.a. Dr. Harleen Quinzel, here to tell you all about it's like a podcast or whatever. We talk about nerd stuff and life stuff, and if you want to know what we're about, check out the Powey Awards, our 100th episode, Q and Slay, or Theatre from our ah! Have a good day, Puddins, and love, trust,
2: and belief. So, <laughs>
1: uh, if we wanted to maybe start transitioning into the gentleman I thought the gentleman had some of my my well it had probably my favorite female action hero in a long time who? Michelle Dockery running her entirely female owned and operated garage <laughs> uh, and really taking care of herself until she was literally overpowered three to one people
0: well, I mean, she got the two. She got it down to one, so I was impressed. I was
1: impressed. Uh, and I really liked that she she was not like she she got I would say damseled, but was not a damsel. Um. Yeah, I, yeah,
0: I get what you're putting down. Yeah. Uh,
1: and like I I genuinely thought that she was probably like I liked that she was in like a sharp suit too, like just from a dressing perspective. Like, like, she looked great. She was yeah, great. and like whatever. I really liked the gentleman. I fully acknowledge it had a lot of problems, uh, it, and was possibly racist. Oh dog, the <laughs> the fucking um
0: the black cunt scene, like that shit was. It was funny. I'm not gonna lie. Like it, it was funny. Definitely problematic.
1: I mean, they also said the phrase China Man a whole lot oh, yeah. for, like, yeah. a movie that was released in this year of our shit-posting lord, 2020. Like...
0: Yeah. yeah, there's a twinge of problematic sprinkled over it. Yeah.
1: But I I can't tell, and again, I'm not trying to, to be it, like making excuses or whatever, but like, if it's meant to be an homage to genre movies like that, from like the i presumably the 20s and 30s was kind of the heyday of gangster movies then like at least i get it yeah but also the other part of me is like is that maybe parodying on the casual racism that presently exists in england because like brexit is a thing yes like
0: you're, but you're also... on the right path you're on the right path
1: But, like, also, a lot of the people who were making those jokes were Americans, so is it trying to say that we're all kind of fucking racist? Which, I mean, we are, but, like, it didn't feel like a concentrated enough thesis to quite justify its own existence in that space, if that makes sense. I think... Because it was such a backseat
0: issue. Even even if being in the quote-unquote woke era there's plenty of people who aren't and there's plenty of people who call people and refer to people and fucked up names. And so I, I don't necessarily have a problem when directors do that and go that route. Like I, I think so. Even, even if you take a movie like uh Pulp Fiction, and no, mm-hmm. no, if you take a movie like Reservoir Dogs and these, is these white men, throwing around the N-word around each other like it's nothing. And so I'll never be in a situation where I'm in a room full of white people, like, because I will literally be, like, the only black person there or whatever. So I would never be previewed to these conversations. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm plenty sure, even people that I, I'm friends with or that I've even known casually, like, like, of white men, like, I know they've been in situations where they've thrown around words like this before. And yep. whether it's been recent or in the past, whatever, you know, that's on them. But I think that, I think cleaning up language, like, entirely, it's not fully honest. Because there's plenty mm-hmm. of people who refer, who refer to Asians as Chinamen. And that's fucked up. And, yeah. there's plen- and there's plenty of people who call, well, I guess in the UK they call black people black cunts. And, like, that's I mean, that's the thing, So I
1: do appreciate that they were kind of a, an equal opportunity cunt caller.
0: They, they very much were, yes.
1: Like, you know, say what you will. Uh, I watched a lot of Jim Jefferies. Uh, I think that that is a great word to say. It is a fun insult to throw. Uh, <laughs> and watching an unrecognizable uh, Hugh Grant. Oh, the glasses. <laughs> like, Hugh Grant, who, like, in my mind is, like, Notting Hill, right? Yes. Like, or... He's in a couple Jane Austen movies. Like the the dorky oh. prime minister from Love Actually. Fucking nine Th- months. Yeah. Throwing <laughs> around like just like cunt motherfucker like yeah. weird weirdly racialized language. I was like this is the I didn't know that this was a thing I needed. But like <laughs> I'm so glad it's here. No, I I thought the movie was good. And like him being a little gay. Oh,
0: he was, he was, I think he was very much gay. I think he was very much gay.
1: I think that he was probably a raging pansexual, uh, but Raymond just happened to tick all his boxes.
0: Possibly, possibly. Speaking of who Grant, I don't know if you caught this in the, well, I caught it because it was kind of actually apparent, but. There's a point where he's talking to the dude from Sons of Anarchy. Yeah he, he references Francis Ford Coppola's Conversation, the mm-hmm. first episode of this podcast. So that 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 the title of the first episode of this podcast I got from that movie he was writing. <laughs> like, that was very simpatico.
1: Very yeah. Simpatico. I also love the like cinema gags. Yeah. where he like talks about aspect ratios and like <laughs> it's it's filmed on film darling and like it changes like the way it lo- and it's so like I thought it was just excellent in that regard um I will say I absolutely figured out who sold who out when uh and like that honestly didn't take away from it that much for me because I had so much fun still Getting to them figuring it out. Yeah. Um. I I also think that like I don't know, I don't know that this is like, Apex, McConaughey. I think the I'm,
0: looks. I think the wardrobe. Is Apex
1: McConaughey. Oh he's, my god. He's never dressed better in a movie. Oh my like- god, the suits in this movie. Yes. This was like some Kingsman level shit. Yes. Like, yes. The the plum suit and the, uh,
0: like the he was fucking fresh his
1: whole yeah. fucking uh I went to go see this at a press screening and they had a thing where if you like won a contest on Twitter or whatever the fuck using hashtag gentlemanning, uh like you and like your crew would get uh like kitted out in suits from the costume designer for the movie.
0: Fuck.
1: Um so I was he- like Anyone listening
0: to this, please give me a $1,000 suit, I beg you.
1: I mean, get me one, too. Can we get, like, coordinating ones? Not ones that, like, match, but, like, coordinate so we would, like, look cute when we inevitably do our Annie Levovitz style podcast <laughs> photo shoot. Yes, i am up uh, for that. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, you know, we gotta get, like, the Chase lounges and the opulence, but not, like, the plantation opulence, like, the gothic mansion opulence. Like... <laughs> Uh, the
0: fucking Knives Outhouse. We'll pose oh. in front of that. <laughs> the one that
1: is exists like four towns over from me. Holy shit, have you been? Have you seen it in person before? Uh, no, I haven't, because someone actually lives there. Fucking fuck them! <laughs> <laughs> I just laughed so hard I threw my microphone. Uh,
2: oh, man.
1: But, like, that is that is someone's house. I'd feel a little weird just posting up at someone else's house and being like, Hey, I know Chris Evans walked through this house one time.
0: You know what? They probably actually gated that shit off.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't, I don't need that. I don't want to be that person to someone else.
0: <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. But no, I think the look of Matt and McConaughey in this movie, like I do think it's, it's probably the bestest look in any movie. Like, um, Shit, I, unless you go like younger, like like you know the movie he did with J Lo, if you go like that era of his looks, mm-hmm. maybe, but I think this is the best he's ever looked in the movie. I think acting wise, I mean for acting I think true detective season one is yeah. fucking ridiculously great.
1: I also though I think I always forget that he's funny. Yeah. You remember like, the fucking, um, fucking MTV? Yeah. But, like, the fact that he was, like, everyone in this movie was hysterical. And they were all very funny in different ways. I, like, that whoever, like, cast this movie it did an amazing job with that. Because the chemistry, I thought, was just. Flawless.
0: Yeah, fucking uh, Colin Farrell, like, his coach, he was really fucking good. I love
1: him. I, I, like, have a theory about why Colin Farrell is not, like, a bigger deal. Give it to me. Uh, And, like, hang on, I'm going to pull up his IMDb real quick just to, like, have it. I am, too. Also, you can tell that if you look at my IMDb that I just finished watching Watchmen because it keeps being like, do you want to go to the IMDb page for Watchmen? <laughs> like <laughs> the
0: movie or the show? The show. Ooh, oh, did you like the show? Very,
1: very much. There
0: you go. I knew I fucked you for a reason.
1: <laughs> uh, all right. So, da ba da ba da. So his like, he was in like a bunch of TV shows and TV movies and stuff, and like. His first big movie, like really big movie, is uh, 2003 Daredevil, Ew. where he plays Bullseye. Yeah, he was in
0: that? Shit.
1: Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that's why we're all sleeping on him, honestly, uh, is because like a lot of his initial film choices aren't super solid. Oh, Minority Report. He was a Minority Report, uh, right? Too. And phone He was also in like SWAT. Whoa, whoa, whoa!
0: Sw- whoa, whoa that. SWAT, is a, SWAT is in SWAT isn't the Hall of Fame of bad, good, bad movies. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but I also think if that's your next title after Daredevil, yeah, that He's that's a- not a great acting reel to submit to people.
0: Miami Vice was a dud. It was, yep. Yeah, it, it dudded it out. And I'm looking at these and bro. it
1: takes him like a while to kind of get back to where he, he his kind of strive is. And for me, like that doesn't happen until saving Mr. Banks. Bro, he did up. Because after it? that he does Winter's Tale, he does The Lobster, he does True Detective. He does uh, Solace, Fantastic Beasts, which your mileage may vary, but, like, you know, Killing of a Sacred Deer. Did you like that movie? I don't like that movie. I don't like that movie, but, like, again, good stuff to pull from his acting reel. Uh, when I was In Bruges? Was That was, like, what? 2000? Yeah, okay, 2008. I forgot in, he was in the Widows. In Bruges is such a slept-on movie. Like... I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but, like, a friend showed it to me when it was on on streamy Netflix. And, like, I remember thinking, like, oh, God, I'm not in the mood for this at all. It's so good, and I want to keep watching it. <laughs> it, was, and like,
0: it was nominated for Best Original Screenplay.
1: Yeah, dude, it's so good. So, like, he's watchers. now got a significantly more consistent reel even though Dumbo was bad. Uh, uh and why I'm did he right. fall for the why did
0: he fall for like the, the remake gaff? Because he, he tried to do total recall remake.
1: There's a was there a
0: Fright Night remake because he started a movie called Fright Night, What I'm guessing is
1: the remake. Probably. Uh I mean the short answer is money.
0: He, oh my God, he's gonna be Penguin in the
1: Batman. I mean, ooh, yeah. that's gonna be bad. Oh, <laughs> uh, dude, I'm excited. Who's gonna believe him
0: as Penguin? Like, what the fuck is this? Okay, but
1: I think it also depends on the version of the Penguin because there have been a lot, Oof. and I think it's smart to not pick a Danny DeVito type.
0: I mean, no one's going to be Danny DeVito. Like, this shit is classic. I'm, It's on the background right now. Like, but I'm looking at it right now. But I was, oh my God. Oh boy. I don't know about that one, man. Oof.
1: I'm also trying not to judge that movie, like, at all early.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: It was like, I've kind of reached the point in my life where fuck off let people enjoy things no we're yes yes like that's like listen i had a lot of issues with star wars we talked about this last week but like fuck off let people enjoy things you know i didn't like suicide squad but i know a lot of people did fuck off and let people enjoy things uh, the number of men who have been telling me that I'm wrong or dumb for liking birds of prey, fuck off and let people enjoy things. Especially like... People fuck off of them. So, like, whatever. I'm excited to hopefully see Colin Farrell in a nice suit and maybe some purple accents.
0: <laughs> you have fish hands. Are you ready maybe. To the fish
1: hands? He doesn't always, he doesn't usually in the comics.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I'll. Well, I'm so blindly loyal to Batman. I'll, I'll. I'm gonna watch it. So.
1: Oh, I'm. I'm like jazzed about it. Honestly, give. Give fucking what's his nuts. I always want to call him Edward. I know that's not his name. It's not Cedric Diggory either. Um, that actor though. You know who I mean. Pattinson. Anderson? Robert Pattinson. Yeah. Give him more jobs. He's good.
0: He, he he looks like the the virtual uh uh antenna. He looks like virtual cop from Sailor Saturn.
1: I also it's, think that he did the same thing that fucking kind of shot Farrell in the foot where he did a bunch of movies that maybe made a lot of money but weren't good.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think he's
1: he's actually he, now
0: getting his shit off now.
1: Right, and just now, after, like, like, let me let me go through his IMDb. After getting through, like, The Lighthouse and, like, all this other shit, like, he is just now getting his shit off the ground a little bit. What were
0: your thoughts on, did you ever see, um, Good Time? No. Because, like, a lot of people like Good Time. The same people that made, um... Uncut gems make good time. And okay. A lot of people really fuck with good time. I did not, but I love uncut gems.
1: Um, I totally forgot that he's about to be in Tenant.
0: Yeah, he's gonna be in Tenant. I'm I'm ready for that shit. I'm
1: yeah. hopeful that it's good. It'll be good. Don't I worry. I mean, like I know it'll be good, but like. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was good in Water for Elephants, but that movie is bad. Uh, that sounds like a
0: Disney movie.
1: It's really, really not. Uh, and then after Twilight, he did a Dior ad campaign. He was in The Rover, Maps to the Stars, Queen of the Desert, Life, The Childhood Leader, More Dior Stuff, The Lost City of Z, Good Time, Fear and Shame, which is like a short film I guess. The Damsel High Life. He is just now getting back into it with The Lighthouse, Tenant, Batman, like. I never
0: I never saw Lighthouse. Did you Did you get shot?
1: Uh, I didn't. Uh the person that I was dating when it was out really wanted me to see it, but I really struggle with body horror, which I know this has a lot of. Um I just it's like it's something I'm working on because I you can't see people at home but I'm adjusting my glasses. I want to be a film journalist um <laughs> but like <sighs>
0: I mean does that mean you have to watch every single thing that
1: comes out there? I think it depends on what what school of film journalist journalism you are a part of. For me, I just, they only, they didn't do a press screening for it, and they were only showing it at, like, one theater, and I didn't like the theater, so I didn't go. You know, I'll probably catch it at some point.
0: Yeah, I, I may catch it. I may catch it before I see Tenant just to see what I'm getting into,
1: but. Yeah. But, you know... Hey, give Colin Farrell more jobs.
0: More good jobs. No more fucking remakes.
1: I mean, just as long as he's making money, I don't really care. Like, (laughs) I really feel like they probably could have gotten him to cameo on the Netflix Daredevil show, though, when they were still making that. Like, I would not have been mad if he had showed up as Bullseye in that show. Like... Because you could tell, like, he really wanted to do good. <laughs> he just had such bad material that he was unable to do good. Yeah. Also, like, Dumbo is still bad, but, like, you know, <laughs> same, same, he wanted to do good energy, I think. Uh, but any movie that uses the unfunny line, Let's get ready to Dumbo! Twice. Oh my god! <laughs> Twice. Not just once. That's fucking horrible. Not just oh. once.
0: Twice.
2: Ooh,
0: that's fucking terrible. Oh my god. He did that for the check.
1: <laughs> Love, lovely the audience. Check. My lips are literally upon my microphone. Wow.
0: For the check. For the money.
1: Like. And and Listen. This is coming from someone who thinks all the Disney live-action remakes are bad. Except Cinderella. But, like, that one's still bad, but, like, not nearly as much of, like, a abuse of the original material as most of them are. Like, whoever was like, you know, you know, you know, I've been thinking, we need to remake Aladdin. Let's call Guy Ritchie. Like, <laughs> sweetie, what is you doing?
0: Disney, what such, is you doing? Disney just wants our money and they don't care how they get it. They just want our money and our attention. like that's
1: I it. mean, so I'm hesitant to speak terribly ill of them because, like, I do want to work for them someday. And I also fully acknowledge that someday they will own all of entertainment. So, like, we should probably be nice to them before they, like, start sucking our souls out through our computer screens or whatever the fuck. So, but, yeah, like, they already are. <laughs> I mean, you're talking to somebody who was like, I'm sad today. I'm going to watch a bunch of Shanghai Disneyland videos. Like, (laughs) all right? I know. But like, (sighs) I feel like at least Cinderella like aesthetically did some new stuff with Cinderella and like made the characters stand on their own a little bit more. And I cannot say that about any of the other Disney live action remakes. Like, at least, I feel like Kenneth Branagh walked in to Disney and was like, I would like to remake Cinderella. Here is my plan. Whereas with everyone else, they were like, "Uh, hey, can you just tell us why we should give you all this money to direct this particular, you know, Guy Ritchie, why should we give you money to make Aladdin? And Guy Ritchie's like, God, I really want that money. Like, (laughs) Madonna cleaned me out in the divorce. Like... (laughs) How how should I explain to them that I, I should make Aladdin? Like when he probably is like, God, have I even seen Aladdin? Shit. Like is that's uh is that the one with uh uh oh god, that's the one with um uh the Phil Collins soundtrack, right? Oh no fuck that's Tarzan. Like <laughs> you know, and that well speaking of things, when are they gonna live action up Tarzan?
0: Oh gosh. Please no <laughs>
1: Please no. <laughs> I'm I'm ready for a white guy with dreadlocks. Fuck it up. Like <laughs>
0: Oh my god.
1: Uh I'm also, you know, I I love that they initially asked Kevin Hart to voice Turk. Ugh. And he oh. was like, I'm sorry, you want the only black guy in your movie to voice a gorilla. See <laughs> so you realize what what, what what you was doing, right? And they were like, ah, shit, we need to ask, like, the le- least white person we know. What is what is Rosie O'Donnell doing right now? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like, yeah, listen. The Disney live-action remakes are a hill that I'm, like, fully prepared to die on. Especially because usually they're making really great like, Broadway musical versions of the same shit. So, like, if they had just filmed the the musical Beauty and the Beast with some nice sets and, like, good production value, I would have been so happy.
0: So I guess you're all in on the lawn, then. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Your face! <laughs>
1: I would be more into it if Mulan was not anti-Hong Kong. Like, (laughs) the actress is aggressively anti-Hong Kong. And, like... Yeah, no, Disney kind of has, like, completely pulled her from the press circuit.
0: Well, The star of the movie.
1: Oh, yeah, she's native Chinese and is, like... Very inflammatory, apparently. And also, Disney's, like, um... Can can you stop? We have a Disneyland there. <laughs> like, I guess it's just not gonna make tons of money then. Oh, it's gonna print money. Are you kidding? If the photorealistically animated Lion King could print money, which is just the Lion King but less fun, like there's no reason that Mulan but less fun isn't gonna print money.
0: No one have a dragon in this shit? There's got to be some dragon that pops up in this fucking movie somewhere, right?
1: Eh. Apparently she has a sassy Phoenix friend who doesn't talk. Which is closer to the original myth, I guess, if we're being technical, but like... As someone who was on a fencing team and, like, all we did was yell lyrics to all make a man out of you at each other while f- fucking sword fighting. <laughs> like, I'm a little...
0: That's a pretty
1: good, decent way to live your life. I mean... Yeah, people. and I'm kind of like, listen, like, I don't I don't know. I, I fully acknowledge that, that Donny Osmond is probably not available for this performance uh, seeing as he is a white man. But, like... There's gotta be at least one Chinese guy that can sing, right? Like, at least one. Probably more. Come on, give it to Henry Goulding. I don't care. Like,
0: (sighs) He just wants our money. Our, Our overlords need tithes. They want us to pay tithes every fucking year.
1: Uh, Over-under on them making a live-action Pocahontas. Do we want to take bets on that? Oh! oh,
0: Ugh. 2023. Mark and
1: (laughs) re-account. I'm actually gonna probably go for, like, 2025. I think it's gonna be a little bit further out. I think it's gonna be, like, oh god, oh god, we've reached the bottom of the barrel. Ugh. Okay, I guess it's time to, like, reach in for the problematic ones. I'm like... Tarzan's gonna come out in, like, 2023 and they're gonna be like, alright, alright, Tarzan, not a huge disaster, only kind of a disaster. Uh, you know, we only made $200 billion. But, like, that's fine. We can work with that. And they're gonna be like, oh, what happens if we do Pocahontas? What do you mean, what happens if we do Pocahontas? Well, like, that's all that's left. Um, can, we, it's... can we shunt it out onto Disney Plus? I mean, we could, but, like... I mean... Oof, doggy.
0: Um, so, so the over under is twenty twenty four for Pocahontas.
1: Yeah.
0: Ooh, I I, I can I don't I don't really bet, but I'm gonna take the under.
1: I'm gonna take the
0: under. Okay. Bro, oh, you know they're gonna. It's gonna be problematic as fuck. to how. It's really going to be a a white woman as Pocahontas with spray tan, like Kim Kardashian is going to put one in this. Kim Kardashian is going to be Pocahontas.
1: Oh, God, please no. (laughs) Book it. I mean, hey, 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 they made the Little Mermaid a person of color. They know at least one. (laughs) Are you sure? Are you sure they know at least one? I mean, I think so. They hired someone. (laughs) No one. Uh, Yeah, so Maleficent was bad. New Mulan is coming out soon. Lady and the Tramp is bad. Little Mermaid's coming out. Directed by Rob Marshall, which seems like such a fucking weird choice, but okay, fine. Snow White, directed by Mark Webb. You know, famous for The Incredible Spider-Man 2. Featuring Electro <laughs> and Hobgoblin. Jamie
0: Fox and Blueface. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you could tell he had just seen Watchmen and was like, guys, I have an idea. Like, you know. Um, the uh, Cruella.
0: Oh, yeah, I forgot about that shit.
1: Pinocchio. Oh, no, 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 please. Oh, no, 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 please. No, 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 please. No, please. What do you see? Hunchback of Notre Dame.
0: Ooh, it would be problematic as
1: a bitch. Ooh. I actually really, I like the animated movie. I like the the musical that they did. They did a really beautiful musical adaptation of it. The I know memes. they're not going to use the musical adaptation at all. And we're going to get photorealistic animated gargoyles.
0: Ooh, I'm pitching the memes of Hunchback right now. Ooh.
1: It's mean, gonna... <laughs> Tim Burton's going to direct that movie. <laughs> no, there's a director an- attached already. Really? Who? Yeah. Uh, or no, there's no director. There's just writers. Okay. Uh, Prince Charming... Which I guess is, oh my god, it's Steven Chomsky, The Perks of Being a Wallflower Guy. Oh. You don't like that movie? I like the movie fine. I love the book so much, though. Okay. Uh, Oliver Twist, directed by Tommy Cale? The Hamilton Guy? James and the Giant Peach, Tank. Peter Pan, separate from Tink. Unrelated movies.
0: They're trying to get this. They're doubling up on the money.
1: <laughs> They're doubling uh, up on the money. I mean, listen, I'll be honest. I'm a little bit excited for the live-action Sword in the Stone because the original one is criminally slept on. So, like... And it's apparently going to be a... It's looks like it might be a miniseries on Disney+. Plus. Which, like, yeah, okay, give me more Horned, Horned King content, please. And
0: uh, live-action Lilo and Stitch. What? Live-action live Lilo and Stitch?
1: I don't want to live on this planet anymore.
0: Bro, they're sledding, they're sledding their intellectual property out. For the, for the which, uh,
1: by the way, live-action Lilo and Stitch, which is the most recent one to announce, be announced, is slated for 2023. So they're going to have to announce Pocahontas pretty quick. Uh, Well, uh, I mean, like, while we're talking about horrible Disney conspiracy theories, like, when do you think they're going to remake Song of the South in a way that is so sanitary and unproblematic that they can start s- selling Splash Mountain merchandise again? Because, like, <laughs> the thing that's so annoying to me is that, like, they sell Song of the South in Japan. Like, I could go to Tokyo Disney... And buy a Blu-ray copy of Song of the South. It is only in America that it is not released. Shit. I mean... Because remember how I said that oh, it seems like a lot of Japan has this weird interest in, like, the American West? Yeah. Apparently, we also were like, would you like some Song of the South? And Japan was like, Okay. In, like, what? When did Tonga South come out? 1943?
0: A pivotal time in this country. <laughs> and theirs, yeah, like... Jesus.
1: 1946. Mm. So, in 1946, we just, like, handed Japan some reels of film. And was like, I know we've had our differences, but I think you guys are gonna love this. Like...
0: They just want our money. They don't care how they get it. They're going to get our money in one way or the other.
1: Yep. Let's not forget that they replaced Uncle Remus in Splash Mountain with a fucking frog. <laughs> His name is Br'er Frog and he plays a three-string banjo. <laughs> Boy. Boy. Have you ever read the ClickHole article, uh, the five times I went on Splash Mountain and the animatronic fox told me he was going to marry my dad? <laughs> no. Okay, I guess I'm just throwing links into the chat today. Fuck uh, it. Sorry, listeners, but you should absolutely check out, if you search ClickHole Splash Mountain, it should come right up. Uh, Yep. The five times the animatronic fox on Splash Mountain addressed me by name and told me he was going to marry my dad.
0: Is this a real article?
1: It's on ClickHole. What do you think? (laughs) ClickHole is the absurdest onion. (laughs) I really should just like do a podcast for my like weird internet oddities collection. And th- there should absolutely be one where I just read that article out loud with no context. And that's the whole podcast.
2: Bro.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I'm going to marry your dad, Ryan.
0: Bro, these pictures are wild as shit.
1: Anyway. <laughs> the the ceremony is going to be super long. And yeah. You're not going to be allowed any food or drinks. You're only going to be allowed a bowl of tepid water. <laughs> oh, man. I certainly haven't read that article too many times. What's certainly the, not.
0: What's the over/under on that? <laughs>
1: oh,
2: dude, I haven't been keeping track. So Jesus. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Alright, do we wanna pivot to Batman or do we wanna revisit Batman at a later date? I'm fine on time, so it's just kind of whatever.
0: Uh well yeah, let's look at Batman. So the for the I'm dubbing this the Be Kind Rewind segment, uh, Batman Returns. And is this Tim Burton's version of SM?
1: I mean <laughs> Yeah. No, two hundred percent is Tim Burton's like femdom fantasy.
0: Yeah, because right now it's it's at the end. I'm looking at it right now, it's at the end. Yeah. With, like the jig is up when everyone getting discovered and Michelle Pfeiffer is in tattered black leather and Batman is in full black leather. Like
1: Yeah. Ooh. But also like so the thing that I I saw this movie for the first time, like, in late twenty nineteen. So, somehow this one, like, so the the weird part is I'd seen Batman 1989, Forever, and, and Robin, but I had not seen Returns. Really? Damn. Um, and I like, own all four of them on, like, a dual disc, by the way. So, like, I definitely should have seen all of them. Remember yes. dual discs? Remember when we thought that was a good idea? Um, uh, if you take care of your DVDs, they were. I mean they are, but like if you're like me and you don't want to have to walk like with your hands DVE length apart, only touching the edges, and you get a fingerprint on one one time, it's like fucking forget you about
0: have, it. You got to get these OCD skills, girl.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so the thing that I really like about it is that it's very much a like female empowerment breakout story, at least initially. Uh, I have like some notes. Um, so the first note is, a uh, big death of innocence energy. Uh. <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes! Where, like, she realizes that, like, oh, you know, the first time she comes in and she, Honey, I'm home. Oh, that's right. I'm not married. And then, like, the way that that goes once she gets, like, cat burped back to life is, like, <laughs> ridiculous. Also, I'm so, like... I love the aesthetics of her apartment. I love the aesthetics of her losing her shit in her apartment. I am... Like, to this day, as a 22-year-old who sleeps with a stuffed animal every night, I was like, what the fuck did those stuffed animals do to you? Like, they were <laughs> she just... put them in the sink. <laughs> I was like, she put them down the disposal. Yes. I was like, they just, in, her, in your apartment, live in the... Like, put them out for a collection. Don't murder them. Like... What did that sock monkey do to you? Huh? She, huh? Has,
0: she has a taser right now, kissing the dude like, oh my god, this movie's so fucking great. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: but like, it's... I don't understand how her lipstick stays that shiny after she eats the damn bird. Uh,
0: Maybe it's the, Maybelline. The,
1: the the biggest kind of continuing note I have is, this is not for children. Bro,
0: okay, so I saw this in 1992 when I was fucking like 6 years old. Yeah. All this shit did not did not register at all. Like him like the penguin being this fucking hornyed out 12-year-old, like that did not
1: register at all. Right, but I uh, just mean the visuals like I was a fairly nervous child and I was watching this movie as an adult and I was like, "Oh, I wouldn't be able to sleep cuz that. I wouldn't be able to sleep <laughs> cuz that." Like it's it's whereas it's really Batman, it's Batman super- I feel like is a like 1989 is a really good mix of like comic darkness, like yeah. the way it is dark in the comics and also bright things kids can latch onto. Yeah, yeah. I really, really feel like this movie doesn't have that. I think this is
0: of of all the Batman movies, like in total, regardless of director, mm-hmm. regardless of time, like this is like the the bleakest and darkest Batman movie, like because even the Nolan movies, I don't know if you noticed this. There's no blood in any Nolan yeah. movie yeah. at all, and like Penguin is gushing. This toxic green sludge from his mouth that's, I guess, supposed to be blood or some shit. Like,
1: yep, and you know, also, like, you know, you see him eating a bunch of raw or in some cases still alive fish. Uh, he bites someone's nose off,
0: bro. Oh, uh, that part was wild. And what did he say to the secretary after that? He was like, I'd like to fill her void,
1: yeah. <laughs> I went to a piano bar that I go to a lot. Uh, I love it there. And they have a board in the back where you can, like, write a phrase. Yeah. And I happened to be there while a dentist convention was at the piano bar. And someone wrote, female dentists love to get filled. <laughs> oh my God. And my that, line, that line had the same energy as everything the penguin said to a woman. Jeez. Bro, like, oh, oh my god. Like, him,
0: him pressing the button on the, the girl. Oh, like, Jesus Christ. Oh my god. Like, bro, like, this shit was not for kids.
1: It yeah, there's also, like, at one point he's like, says something, 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 like, what a pretty pussy. And I was like, <laughs> Sir. <laughs> sir.
0: Sir, so, so we'll call the authorities,
1: sir. Sir, desist. <laughs> Oh, my God. Like, uh, I also wrote that he has a big sexual assault energy. Mega. But then I was like, is is this meant to be a commentary on, like, the inherent villainy of government officials? (laughs) He's running for mayor, so... (laughs) So I'm like, but, like, I don't know...
0: Bro, like, there's this a lot to extrapolate from this movie, <laughs> and and ways that Tim Burton didn't even mean to, like,
1: but yeah. no. I also
0: big Nixon energy, big big Bill Clinton energy before Bill Clinton with Bill Clinton.
1: Yeah, and like, I don't, I don't know, like, I. As as a 22-year-old woman who really enjoyed watching that film all the way through, even though, like, it's problematic and, like, really problematic, not just kind of problematic, it's another one of those movies where I'm like, okay, but who is this for? Yeah, it's for Tim Burton. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I no, Tim like, I, I fully acknowledge that, like, you know, if we were to walk into the screening room after the first, like, cut of this was filmed... He would be like masturbating into fucking Michelle Pfeiffer's like spandex, like yes. cat suit, PVC nightmare suit. Uh, which, like, a bunch of people have asked me to cosplay this. Ooh. <laughs> and, like, that's a lot. That's a I don't lot. hate uh, my body that much. Well, that's a lie. I absolutely do hate my body that much, but, like, uh, I'm not going to physically punish my body that much. I'm not getting vacuum sealed into a PVC suit and then corseting on top of it. Like, no.
0: Bro, this movie. Who
1: would is even so vacuum awesome. me into it? I don't have any help.
0: <laughs> Bro, I I know some some dude is one to help you. With that. Don't accept it though. Bro, oh my god, this movie is. It's everything is it, doing the most for no reason. Like, it is still, it's still a fucking ride, yo. This movie's fucking normal.
1: It's also, like, a really good Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I also just really, like, aesthetically, like, as, as I've now grown into a young gothling, like, yeah, right. I get it. I aesthetically get it. I am picking up what you were putting down, Mr. Burton, but dear God, stop putting your beautiful waifs and stuff that tight. Uh, and expecting them to do gymnastics. She was in
0: little pumps kicking ass, yo. I mean,
1: yeah, and like, her lipstick smudges, but is like, never not on. Which is yeah. very confusing to me as like, Someone who wears a lot of makeup.
0: This. I love the end. He says, uh, he's driving off with Alfred. He says, goodwill towards men and women. <laughs> Batman is now officially woke.
1: He's <laughs> done it. Well, do you want to know a fun way that Batman was going to be woke differently? oh um. So, uh, are you familiar with, uh, some of the subplots from this film that were cut for time? Oh, please don't so, uh, oh. there was initially going to be a Robin in Batman Returns. Okay. Uh, played by Marlon Wayans. Oh! <laughs> no fucking way! <laughs> yeah! Uh, oh. And he was cut so last minute that toys were made of him.
2: Is this real?
1: Yeah. And they never, like, they, they didn't release the toys with the Batman Return toys. And then when they introduced Robin in Batman Returns.
0: New Batman Forever.
1: Yeah, Batman Forever, sorry. They, like, swabbed them all down with nail polish remover and repainted them all Jesus. white. But like Marlon Wayans' Robin was like a child. So like compared to the Batman figure, like he was child height and also had a flat top haircut. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Which they then painted white and blonde and put back out in slightly different packaging.
0: Jeez. Of course, why not? White face. He's little white faced.
1: So, you know.
0: So, is this movie... Is it... Is it slightly problematic, hella problematic, or Burn, the original script, problematic?
1: I'm gonna say it's super... Or, what? We've got Kinda, Hella, and Burn It. Yeah. I'm giving this hella. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like you really gotta, like... If you're watching it with your kids, that's fine. But, like, you gotta explain to them why what Joker is doing, or not Joker, uh, Penguin is doing is bad, Why? what Batman is doing is bad, and, like, why Max Shrek is bad, why, like, you gotta explain why every man in this movie, except Alfred, honestly, is bad, uh, and why then, in turn, even though what Catwoman does is bad, is kind of justified.
0: I mean, she's she's literally responding to a male-dominated world that tried to kill her, so they, this world pushed her over the edge. So she's only responding to that.
1: So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: This movie is hella problematic. Uh,
1: just, but like, I think it. I don't think it's like so bad we shouldn't watch it. I just think it needs to be a yeah. movie that like you sit down and are like, hey, Jimmy and Timmy. Let's, let's have a chat about why we don't treat women this way.
0: If like, you ever decide to be a government official, let women put their own buttons on themselves. Do not yeah. put their buttons on
1: for And, like, maybe just, just don't open your mouth around women if that's what's going to come out. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Oh, my God, yes. This movie is definitely a lesson, for sure. Mm-hmm. That's all I got, girl. Was there anything else you
1: wanted to cover? Uh I think we got it. We also got more than I actually expected to talk about. Uh anyway, Gentleman's good. Go see it. I feel like it was advertised really bad. Oh, I was gonna,
0: um, I didn't put that
1: on here. I was
0: oh yeah, I did put that. I I thought the movie the I thought the movie was gonna be completely different. I thought Matthew McConaughey was gonna be like the bad guy.
1: Well, like, the way that they marketed it, it really made it look like it was a rip-off of The Kingsman.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Which it super isn't. Uh, like, I think it is one of the better non-IP-based things we've got in a while. Yeah. Uh, and, like, honestly, 2019 was a decent year for that. But, like, okay. I think... I think I mean, unfortunately, the gentleman not doing great, I think, is probably a bad omen for that going forward. But there's still time. It's still in theaters. Yes, I
0: definitely recommend seeing it. Also, like, um, it's it's a pretty good time. Like, yeah, there there are things that are problematic about it, but I think overall, like, it's it's uh, well worth the watch. I gave it four stars on Letterbox.
1: I did too. Did it break even yet? Its budget was twenty two million. Hang on. So, uh, if if we haven't made it break even yet, at least make it break even, folks. Yeah. Oh. Has it not done that yet? Uh. So, I'm on the box office Mojo, and its total gross is like thirty one thousand. So it's made like. 9,000, or 9 mil. Oh. This made, like, 9 mil, which is not bad, but for a studio movie, it's, like, nothing.
0: Oh, no, um, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm seeing on Wikipedia the box office is 65
1: million. Oh, that might be worldwide. Oh, yeah, Hang on. Is worldwide, yeah. this is worldwide. Okay, so then that's better. Yeah. Uh So it made, it, made
0: it made over 40 million. So,
1: so. I mean, yeah, hey, and it made uh, the same amount that Sonic did opening day.
0: When are you going to see that?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I uh, Enough people are telling me, like, ha- you saw Hop, right? And I'm like, no. Despite owning two very lovable rabbits, uh, I did not see Hop. And they're like, well, it's that, but Hop is Sonic. And I was like, Oh, and the main guy is also James Marsden, like ugh. James Marsden, super slept on. Just saying, like he's good. <laughs> Give him better jobs, please. <laughs> and also maybe don't fire your whole animation studio the week before Christmas after they make your fucking hedgehog movie. Yeah
0: that was bad
1: business. So I guess that should be the the takeaway of the story here is uh, don't fire your animation team the week before Christmas for remaking your robot hedgehog. <laughs>
0: so you're seeing it this weekend? I'm,
1: I'm that? Uh, this weekend I'm honestly kind of really busy. Uh, I might just wait until this one comes out on whatever streaming platform it's going to come out on.
0: Uh, you gotta see what the people
1: I, I also don't want to go see it with a bunch of kids, though, when it's school vacation week up here. Oh, uh, really? It's just residence day. Yeah, so we have February and April vacation up in New England in our public oh, schools geez. instead of two weeks in March. Oh,
0: that's cool.
1: Yeah, so uh, everyone, everyone is going to the movies with their damn wiener kids all the damn time. Also, weird question. Any interest in revisiting the Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion movie?
0: (laughs) What movie is that? What's it even called?
1: The Haunted Mansion. It's a Disney movie. Jeez. With Eddie Murphy, Terrence Stamp, and Wallace Shawn. My God,
0: this... This sounds like an 8% of Rotten Tomatoes. It's a
1: 14%? (laughs) It's based off of one of the best Disney attractions of all time. And somehow they got everything wrong. Oh, and Jennifer Tilly is in it, too. Uh,
0: I'm a big fan of Jennifer Tilly. I know that much.
1: Well, she plays a disembodied head that's maybe also a valley girl. Jeez. Hold on.
0: Why didn't her career... Why didn't her career... Was more, why was her career not more than fucking um, Bride of Chucky's wife?
1: And- Probably because it, she was in Bride of Chucky. Oh, uh, damn it. God damn it. Like, as much as like Colin Farrell had a bunch of bad choices and is now on track, he's also a white man. And there's a shitload of privilege and chances that come with that. That women, women of color, people of color, don't get
0: yeah i um i was definitely a fan a fan of bound though i'll tell you that much
1: (laughs) so i think that i might send you some like haunted mansion the ride footage and yell at you about why it's good storytelling and then suggest we watch the
0: movie (laughs) Uh, it's on disney plus
1: the 11 minute ride has better storytelling than the almost two hour movie, which also has a Nelly music video that is sampling the theme to the people's <laughs> court that is shot on the same set. God damn. Wait, hang on. Let me find this song. Uh, it samples the theme from the people's court. <laughs> Jesus. Just like know that. Uh, it's called is you, oh, uh, but is is spelled with a Z. Iz.
0: <laughs> you, you didn't have to tell me. I already knew. <laughs>
1: Uh I'm watching this music video. He just opened a Lamborghini with yellow gull wing doors. Only oh, the best finale. And uh, like signed a piece of paper when he really easily could have just like rolled a window down. Uh, and now he's having a party in the house his dead uncle left him. That is also haunted. God damn. Yo. Also, have I mentioned that we're sampling the theme from the People's Court?
0: <laughs> Bro. They used to just throw money at music videos like it was nothing. And I literally, mean, like, it was nothing.
1: I'm looking at the lyrics to this song... And the music video that is clearly based off of the Disney movie. And I'm just wondering who at Disney approved this. Because, like, Nelly is about to screw a girl in a bed in the Haunted Mansion. And, like, hey. this is decidedly not Disney. Or, like, it's, this one demon Nelly. just tongue-fucked a cute girl's ear. Uh, just until <laughs> we all wish there <laughs> there was literally just a saliva spittle string connecting yeah. him to this girl who's now seizing out on the bed in her underwear. Oh this is in the video a music yeah. video for a children's film,
0: Gotta go big, I go big or go home,
1: I guess. I mean, I feel like we need to decide if we're going to revisit this, because if so, I'm going to prepare a full commentary track for this four-minute Nelly music video. Jeez. Fuck it, why not? Shout (laughs) shout out to Podcast the Ride, a uh, podcast I love. They did a Second Gate episode on this movie, and it's pretty fucking clutch, uh, I'll be honest. Jeez. I mean, at some point, I'm going to just be like, okay, what theme park movie are we watching? And you're gonna be like, why? <laughs> are wait, there
0: that's... many theme park movies?
1: Not nearly enough, and all of them suck, but, like, uh, oh, I have an idea for next week for a Be Kind Rewind, like, actually. What's up? Do you want to do the original Invisible Man before the new one comes out? Uh, when was that made? Like, a long-ass time ago. Hang on. I don't... Show me the original, please. I know there's 1930? one coming out next Nicaru- week. Yeah, sounds right. Shit. Um, if I can find a stream to this, I'm down
0: and
1: watch it. Uh... It's one of those great like classic monster movies. Yeah, I'm up for that. Cool. It's on YouTube for like three bucks. Yeah, I see. Uh, so yeah, maybe maybe we do that. At some point I'm gonna we're gonna have to do a creature episode.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, fair warning. And I'm gonna shout about the creature the whole time. But like I'll exclusively drink out of my creature flask for the whole episode. Like, it's fine. Do
0: it, This is your world, squirrel. Get that nut.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) Oh Oh, boy. All right. and on that note. <laughs> I don't know how much of this last conversation is actually gonna make it into the uh, final pod. Uh, but y'all check out Is You by Nelly and if you think that music video looks interesting, ask tell us that you wanna see us review the feature film <laughs> that Is You is based off of uh <laughs> oh, <come on. laughs> All right, and on, literally
0: on that notes, uh, I am Marcus Sean, I love Robinson. <laughs>
1: uh, I am Cat. I, I still don't have a good AKA.
0: Uh, I I came up with your favorite cosplayers' favorite cosplayer. Uh, <laughs> we gotta we gotta do one more. But one thing or something for you. One thing
1: or something I for you. cool. All right. Uh, and we should do this again sometime.
0: Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah, girlfriend. Fuck
1: yeah. My
2: daddy's podcast is called Hyphenation. It's the world's greatest podcast. Barack Obama approved. On Hyphenation, my daddy talks about all kinds of cool things. And sometimes I'm on the podcast too. Sometimes he has his friend Marcus on. Sometimes he stays up really late and he's tired the next day. But it's worth it. But he loves his podcast, and I love his podcast, so I really want you to listen to hyphenation so Daddy doesn't get sad. He really doesn't get sad, though, because he has me. All right, please listen to hyphenation. Thanks, y'all. I love the podcast, so please, please, please try to join. But if you know it. Perfect. Thank you. Can we hear it now?
1: This podcast stars Catherine Chenetti and Marcus Robinson. It is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenley under Hyphen Podcast Group in conjunction with It's Like a Podcast or whatever. It is produced and written by Catherine Chenetti and Marcus Robinson. This is a Hyphen Podcast Group podcast. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime.